Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Outlaw Country Podcast. Today we're lucky enough to be joined today once again by Colby Acuff. So Colby, appreciate you joining us. So, yeah, thanks for having me on guys once again. It's always good to be back. Yeah, of course, man. It's been been way too long. We, we were excited. We were excited when we saw your message. So we wanted to definitely bring you back on. Uh, I know you just recently dropped the single Once in a Lifetime. Can you tell us a little bit about what went into that song and how it came to be? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Once in a Lifetime, it's one of my favorite songs that I've released because in my mind, it really took all of last year, all the fun we had, all the hard times that we had, you know, and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and put it all together into kind of um, a song that, one, gives you a really good um, sound of kind of like a live show. Like, it's uh, the way that we recorded it. It's not live track necessarily, but in my mind, that shows a really good representation of kind of what we do when we show up uh at a show and if you know you're at one of our shows it's got that really energetic you know kind of uh live aspect to it but also another part that i really like about it is you know it's based off of a dream that i had while we were on the road and things were kind of getting crazy and i was a little bit you know i mean being independent it's really hard sometimes to like figure out and know what to do and i had a dream where i'd woken up and um basically all my country heroes were like in my room and I was screaming at them, trying to get them to tell me what to do. And they didn't say much. And then just, they were walking out and Waylon said, man, you know, we all had to do it that way. And so that's kind of where I woke up and started kind of grasping to that, that whole uh, idea was kind of the message. Does that happen often? Do you have many dreams about country music artists and things like that? I mean, not necessarily. I have, I've had a lot, but it's also 24 seven, you know, that's like my entire life. Um, so you obviously dream about what you're doing and what you're thinking about day in and day out. And so when I'm really confused or like, if I don't really know what the next chapter is, or, you know, if we're in a spot where we got to make a decision, sometimes I start dreaming like that. You know? So, so is this something, this is something that you wrote within the last year then? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote uh, once in a lifetime, I think in August. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, and then you like kind of mentioned like bringing like the live sound to the recording, like how, how did you guys go about doing that then? Well, a lot of it, you know, is the whole album that we will be dropping that once in a lifetime is a part of, we had played all those songs on the road. Okay. Like, you know, I'd write them and then I would come to the band and be like, Hey guys, let's work this one into the set. I think this will be a good one. And, you know, we always test our songs out with live audience first, you know, um, all of our songs have been played in front of live crowds before we cut them. And we've always been that way. You know, if we, we have unreleased songs, we'll play them on the road, no matter what. Um, because if, you know, one people really like them, then they're more excited to hear them when they come out. Mm -hmm. And two, we get a really good, you know, um, test on the song. If people really like it, then great. Then we definitely want to put it out. Um, so basically, you know, getting that live sound aspect, we've been playing that song a lot, you know, on the road and whatnot. So for us, it was, we knew exactly what we do live with that song. So then it was just, okay, now we want to take that live sound and all the energy 
but we also want to clean it up and make it really crisp and put it into, you know, the format of recording. Gotcha. Is okay. So is that something that like a lot of artists do or do you like, do I guess more people put the song out first before they do it live? Like, I guess I'm always yeah. kind of been curious about that. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people do things differently than we do, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that being said, I mean, I think the general aspect is, oh, we want to oh. release the single first and then we'll go play it live once people know it. But in my mind, you know, the way we do it is we play it for live. We play it for our fans, whether it's out or not. We create demand through that. And then we release the song and we keep playing that song. So for us, um, you can do it any way you want to. I don't know. You know, there's obviously some artists that play unreleased songs all the time. And there's some artists that don't. Yeah, like I remember Riley Green, it was unreleased when he did I Wish Grandpa's Never Died. And there was right. such a man for that. I, oh, yeah. I like the idea. I, Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, I, I was going to probably say exactly what you're going to say, unfortunately. I, I think, though, I, I like the idea of the unreleased because you get a test instead of, you know, you're going to spend quite a bit of money to make that song into a, you know, to a single or into an album and if you have no idea if people like it or not or like if there is no demand for it it's harder to sell i was gonna say like i like the idea of you know bringing like the energy from like the live aspect of it into the recording because like you see it so many times with i i'm just the first person to come to mind since i just went to his concert last uh we saw eric church and you know he's you know bringing all these other parts um maybe like a another guitar solo or like instrumental into the song like all this extra energy for the live recording or the live show that's not like on the actual like album and so i like the idea of bringing that extra energy from like an actual show into the recording i think that's really cool yeah me too i mean in my mind it's the most it feels the most natural like it feels and you can't go overboard because obviously there's there's a line yeah. between a live show and, you know, what you're just going to listen to on your own time. But yeah. it's not like the line's fairly muddied. Like, you know, it's kind of a gray area and you can go as far as just being completely produced and everything's to a T or you can go to the other side where it's basically a live album. Mm -hmm. um, but somewhere in the middle is always going to be good. Well, I know you mentioned um, when we were talking about this song that this is kind of a single for a new album. Can you tell us a little bit about the album as well. Yeah, of course. So the, the album, I'm super excited. This project is going to be a project that I've wanted to put out for a very long time. It's a project I've always wanted to do. Um, and it's kind of like what we were just talking about with at once in a lifetime, you know, it, that feeling, the way we made the song carries throughout the entire album. Uh, so it's mostly honky tonk songs uh, and upbeat songs. There's definitely, you know, just like in most of our albums, the next album will still have callbacks to our previous album. So there's definitely songs um, that will make you like give you the same feeling as some of the cuts on If I Were the Devil. But for the most part, the majority of the album is just ripping. And so I'm, I'm super, super excited to release it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely excited to hear it. Do you, do you feel that your sound has changed at all from the, from the last album like if, if if there's a different theme or anything like that with this album coming out i know you mentioned upbeat honky-tonk songs yeah i mean i think your sound 
should organically change and not not the sound necessarily because it's still like you, you would listen to him and be like oh that's that's definitely colby akf like mm-hmm. that's for sure him but i think every project needs to be different in the right facets and so like when you and we did change some things like we moved into this five-piece band which is a killer band and it does have more energy and it's bigger and we have more pieces so some of the stuff will be a little bit bigger it'll feel larger but that's the whole point of this album you know we're two years into this this will be our third album so we're starting our third year and we want to be you know we want to make the statement that we're here you know we want to put our feet in the ground and make a stand and you know make some noise and that's kind of the 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 mood behind the album for sure um and you know through that comes the the tracks that are really moving i mean they are they're absolute rocking songs um like i said ones real honky tonk tunes um and then the ones that are slower are more traditional um and you know more to the point gotcha so you kind of mentioned like now you're working with a five-piece band what for like your last few album or your last album what what what'd you guys have for that one then well on the last two albums it was just me my bass player and my producer that made the albums so like on if i were the devil i played guitar mandolin drums and sang and then my producer played guitar and keys and then my bass player played the bass and sang some harmonies so like this next project though has all the pieces involved and, and, you know, not that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, well, I'm not a great drummer to be honest. Like, I mean, I'm okay. It's what I started with. Um, But to have, you know, my drummer now on the kit on this album, it's just so huge. You know, having a, someone who plays piano or organ, you know, the keys every day of their life, like that's their specialty and having a, you know, guitar player, that that's his job. And not only that, but these guys travel with me, we play together you know, six to eight times a month. I mean, we are super, super tight. So, you know, that's going to be the, I think the biggest sound change, I guess, is it's just going to be tighter and I better, you know? So have you set like a date then for when your album is coming out? Are you still trying to piece all that kind of information together? Um, well, I can tell you this. So we dropped once in a lifetime, um, in February, we're dropping a single called last Buffalo, April 1st, and we'll drop another single called bad day to be a beer, May 13th. And so you can expect the album to drop probably end of May, June. Okay. So of those three, is there like one, I guess, since once in a lifetime has already been released, like which one are you most excited for us to hear? Like, obviously like you want us to hear all of them, but like which of those, like if you had to pick of those three, like which one is your going to be your go-to? Well, it's hard because like, I already know which one's going to (laughs) do the best, (laughs) you know? I mean, in, in my mind, like bad day to be a beer has this cult following all because I played it unreleased. And this is, this is the other side of it. I posted a couple videos like a year ago of me playing bad day to be beer, like 30 seconds of it. Mm-hmm. And it just absolutely caught wildfire. And I still have people in my comments, like, when are you going to drop it? I mean, that was I, uh, the day after we dropped once in a lifetime, we were doing really well with it. And we were all sitting around. I said, yeah, the number one complaint about once in a lifetime is it's not bad day to be a beer, <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Um, so I, I, I really have a good feeling about bad day to be a beer. I think that one's going to really resonate with, I mean, it's, it's a classic country song, you know, it's a shuffle beat, um, real honky tonk tune. It's a, you know, it's a country song. His guy's life's going to hell. So he's just going to stay home and drink. I mean, that's like, you know, what more could you ask? Um, but that being said, you know, my favorite song on the album is probably once in a lifetime. And my second favorite song is probably last Buffalo, mostly because those two songs for me, you know, writing all of the songs, those two songs, I think are the deepest personally to me on the album. I think once in a lifetime, I wrote in a, a place of extreme stress and, you know, just like, what am I doing? But it was also coupled with, well, everything's going great. So I might as well just, you know, whatever, hands up in the air. And then Last Buffalo comes from a place where kind of similar to Once in a Lifetime, but where I just kind of felt like, you know, being the way that we've ran it and doing the things that we've done, it's been great for us. And we've been able to uh, be extremely efficient with what we're doing, but it's also put us in a spot where sometimes I feel like we are outcasted sometimes, you know, like, you know, cause there's definitely people out there that play more outlaw driven sounding country than we do. But I don't know a lot of artists that truly can say they feel that outlaw, like what that, you know, is being on the outside all the time and trying to get in with the sound that we have sometimes it's hard because it's, I say this all the time. It's like, I'm too Idaho for Texas. I'm too Texas for Nashville and I'm too Nashville for country. So like, you know, it, it, it ends up just kind of being this like big Wurlitzer thing where, you know, it's hard for, no one wants to jump in the pool at this first. And that's kind of where the last Buffalo came out of, you know, that kind of mindset. Well, I think it's, it's really good that you don't, you don't you can't really pinpoint your sound it makes you unique and different and stands out so i don't think that's something that should you should be upset about i think like you said earlier if you hear your music you can know it's colby acuff right away you kind of have a distinct sound compared to some of the other guys within country music yeah and i don't think it is a bad thing in fact i love our sound even i i we i've never released a song that i didn't absolutely love really i mean and that has nothing to do with my writing or anything it's just the way that the songs come together and I think we do a really good job of truly being authentic. I mean, every song that we play comes from, if it's a song about pain, we've felt the pain. If it's a song about drinking beer, we've drank the beer. If it's a song about, you know, whatever heartbreak, we've all had our hearts broken. And it comes from a, a, a extremely authentic place for all of us, you know, on the team. So are most of these songs, well, I know most like they're written by you. Do you typically have like a co-writer or have you ever like been approached like, Hey, I want you to um, like, I think this song is one for you. Yeah. I mean, you get that. Um, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't done a ton of co-writing. Okay. Fact, I haven't really done much at all. Um, and all these songs don't have co-writers on them. Um, obviously with arrangements and stuff like the band and I work out arrangements and they help a ton and producers help a ton. Um, but as far as, you know, who's bringing this, who, who sits down in a dark room by themselves and scratches on the noteboard from zero to 100 and brings that song and really works through the songs, you know, from start to finish for a year with every single album. That's, that's me. Um, I'm not against co-writing at all. I just haven't, um, found the the right person right with yet i guess 
I, I know last time we, we had you on, we kind of talked about how you were pretty big outdoorsman when you're fishing or anything like that. Does do you ever, do songs ever come to you that way? Or is that kind of time for you to just relax and not think about things like that? Well, you know, it's funny because songs never come to you when you want them to. Mm-hmm. Like the worst way to write a song is to every day sit down on a couch and try to write a song. The best way to write a song is to not think about it, go out and live a bunch of experiences. And then you'll take certain feelings from those moments and subconsciously you'll bring them back. And then when you sit on the couch the next day or a week later or whatever, that's when that song's going to come out. So um, I, you know, when I talk about being in the outdoors and like going out and doing things, getting away from my cell phone, getting out of service for a while, that's a big part to me because it's really therapeutic for me to get away. I mean, there's no doubt that this job can be a real pain in the ass sometimes in the best way possible. But when you get away and everything kind of dissolves and you just don't think about it for eight hours or so and you come back, that's when everything really starts making sense. Where, where's your like go-to kind of hideaway spot? Like where, like, where's your favorite place to go to, to kind of get away and, you know, clear out all the noise and all the distractions? Uh, Coeur d'Alene River, for sure. It's like 20 minutes from my house. If I go up and over the mountain and I'm, if I go that way, um, five minutes from not being in service for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Um, if I go the long way, it's like 30 minutes. Um, but once I'm on the river, I mean, I guided on the river for two and a half years and, I lived up there for 120 days a year. Um, and that is the, that's a special spot. I mean, and it's weird because like, you know, you take something so complex, which is, doesn't have to be, which is just your life. And then you go do something that seems simple, but is really complex, which is fishing. <laughs> like, you know, and it's like your one focus all day is just to get the fish to eat that little fly. And it's just a game you play all day. And for me, that's, that's the best. There's really nothing better than that. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Yeah. One thing I saw about your album that I de- definitely wanted to ask you about is I saw you were recording at the Sonic ranch. You tell us yeah. oh, some of my favorite artists have, have played recorded there. What was that like? Man, it was phenomenal. And we were super lucky like to go, you know, I mean, we'd reached out to Sonic ranch and, um, I just basically sent him an email saying, Hey, how do we get in? Like, what do we got to do? And he called me, the Tony, the owner called me while I was at a wedding and asked if I had time to talk. And I didn't, but I was like, Oh my God, Tony. So I had to leave and uh, talk to him for a while. And next thing I know, four months later, we're going down to El Paso to cut an album. And the, uh, the place is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, one of the most creative places I've ever been. They treat the artists extremely well um their engineers and technicians are phenomenal um anything you want as far as you know instruments or sound um just top a1 top of the line studio how long were you guys down there we did eight days oh awesome so is that the is that the main reason a lot of the, the artists go down there just there they have top of the line everything to, re- to record and is it mainly just country artists that go there Oh, no, no. There's artists from all, all over, like really 
Uh, a lot of indie artists go there, though. I, what I would compare, the way I felt about Sonic Ranch when I was down there is it reminds me so much of how people talk about Muscle Shoals now. Like when people talk about Muscle Shoals and all the great artists that come out of there, a lot of them, that's how they kind of got their beginning. And, you know, and Muscle Shoals is a little different because Muscle Shoals was a lot of like studio musicians, you know, that got together and like they kind of made this thing. And um, But it feels like that because there's a... It, what the Sonic Ranch is doing right now is it's opening a ton of doors for smaller up and coming independent artists, especially in the country scene. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think people go there for a lot of reasons. I think people go there for that specifically as well, like to go for the experience to see what it's all about. Um, you know, and it blew me away. Like it was a lot, it was, it was an amazing experience. Because I know Whitey Morgan has an album called The Sonic Ranch, and then Midland just dropped that album where they recorded all their early stuff, The Sonic Ranch, and um, Cody Jinx, Adobe Sessions, Sonic Ranch. I, I don't know much about it. I just know there, whenever artists are recording there, it's just going to be good-ass music coming out of there. So I'm excited to see you were there. Yeah, man. It, it, and once again, that was like a big thing. Cause like, I mean, that's a lot of my favorite artists. So I, and I've always wanted to go there. So, you know, and it was like, I'm not going to say it was, um, they made it extremely, um, I'm not gonna say easy, but it, it just, it felt so right. Like, you know, just the entire process wasn't hard getting there. I didn't have to crawl every inch and mile just to get in there. Like how I feel kind of every day normally, like, you know, the way that it works now, just in the industry in general, they welcomed us with open arms and, you know, saw what we were doing and was like, okay, this is, you know, we'd love for you guys to cut an album here. And when we were down there, you know, the sounds that come out of there, we ended up recording in the Adobe studio. Um, oh. And man, it, it's just great. It's phenomenal. I can't wait to, you know, share more music from there too. So do they house you on the ranch then or, or do you, like they have, yeah, yeah we there. yeah we stayed 200 like 200 yards from our studio oh wow okay gotcha that's really cool yeah it was amazing so did your overlap anyone there like did you run into any other artists or bands that we'd maybe recognize yeah we were there with uh american aquarium oh okay yeah they're recording right next door to us in uh big blue studio i think is what it's called so we ate dinner with them and whatnot. They're really nice guys. Yeah, that I, mean, I saw that on your Instagram. That got me super excited. So I, I definitely had to ask you about that. I'm that just made me that more excited to hear your album. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And it's it's good, man. I, I'm super excited. Like I said once again, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever been this excited or antsy to drop a project. So, so oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so I was going to kind of go back to um, If I Were the Devil. So this summer, it was like, what, July? You released your music video for If I Were the Devil? Yeah. Um, you want to kind of talk about that? So like, I thought, so it was really awesome. How was it? Did you go into it thinking you were going to do like one complete shot with it all? Like, was that your... Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. So my cousin uh, owns... Uh, uh, a I guess it would be a videography company, cinema, cinematography company. Okay. Um, and he reached out to me. He's like, Hey man, like 
I'd love to do this. I'd love to do a music video for the devil. And we want to do it in one shot. Here's what we're thinking. I'm like, perfect. Like, let's do it. So we, we knew that we wanted to do it, you know, between golden hour and blue hour. So like right when the sun is setting, you know, we didn't really know how many, how much time we we're going to have. We knew it was a four minute song. And we knew we had to plan out how I was going to walk and whatever. We had everything staged. The kicker though. So in the beginning of the music video, you see me take a shot of whiskey, right? Mm-hmm. And I stand up and I walk out and at the end of the video, I smoke a cigarette. Well, we didn't really think about it, but we actually used the bottle of Woodford. Like I was actually drinking whiskey shots. It wasn't, you know, like okay. apple <laughs> juice or something. Well, we ended up doing, I think we ended up doing 10 takes. Oh. And when, so, and so not only that, but we did 10 takes. Now, not all the way through. Some of them we stopped right after, you know, I, the very first one, I took the shot of whiskey and like a mic fell down, like, oh, we got to redo it. So I had to pour another one. So like it was right after the other. So the actual one that we kept was the last one. Okay. So the, the last full take is the last one that we did. So by then I had taken nine shots of bourbon and I'd smoked four cigarettes. So, so you're feeling real good. Yeah. And you can tell and, and some of it, like when I'm walking down, like the light comes on, you can kind of see it. My eyes are kind of like floaty. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of a little insider deal there on uh, the, if I were the devil music video, but they did a great job and man, it was so much fun doing it. We, I think we ended up, yeah, 10 takes, but we did it in like, I think we did it an hour and a half. Okay. So where, where were you when you filmed that? I was like, I thought that was such a cool setting and everything, but it's, it's not a place I'm familiar with. Yeah, it's actually in Spokane, Washington. It's at this okay. winery called Arborcrest. Um, and they were kind enough to let us go there after hours and shoot it there. Was that a place that you picked out then? Or was that a place that your cousin like said, hey, I want to do it here? No, my cousin picked the spot. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. music videos something you want to continue doing? Like, do you want to make more or is this kind of something you don't, you would just like a one-time deal? No, I love them. They're so much fun. So we are, we're going to, we, right now we're planning on shooting one in April for the title track on the album called Honky Tonk Heaven. Okay. And uh, we're going to shoot it in a bowling alley. So it'll be really fun. It'll be more of like a comical music video, be really entertaining. So, um, and I cannot wait for that one. That's going to be a really fun one to shoot. Is your cousin going to help you like his comfort, his cinematography company going to help you with that one too then? Yeah. Yeah. He'll do it. Awesome. awesome. Um, to kind of talk about if I were the devil, um, 2021 has been a pretty big year for you. Like I think I, I was texting you a few months back because I saw you on my for you page on TikTok and things like that. You've really kind of been blowing up since we uh, last talked to you, which I don't know if we'll take credit for, but we might have. <laughs> Too. <laughs> <laughs> you guys but, definitely uh, can. Um, what What do you think is the biggest factor in that success right now for you having that that big year in 2021 and you still keep going? Well, I mean, obviously, I would say, I mean, it's a lot of things, but I think it comes down to one. I mean, if I were the devil, um, as a product, came out extremely well. And it was received very well. Um, but that being said, I mean, I, I really, I, I'm going to credit it to hard work from me and the team, especially the team. I mean, you know, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that no one else sees. 
Um, and, you know, we don't have a manager booking label or a, a record deal. So we, we do have to wear all the hats that normal artists maybe wouldn't have to wear. Um, but that being said, I got the best team right now that, you know, they're absolutely priceless and they're all, everyone's wearing multiple hats trying to help us out. Um, and that's been true since we dropped if I were the devil when we had nothing. So, um, I really credit it to just hard work and, and support. I mean, including you guys, I mean, everyone that's had us on a show or posted stuff that, you know, we had done or comes to a show. I mean, just the, um, unbelievable amount of support that we've had from friends and fans and just, you know, I, I think that's that's what I want to credit it to for sure. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Grady Smith on YouTube, and I saw him talking about you, and that got me pretty pumped. Yeah, we got when we got picked up by Grady and Whiskey Riff in the same week. That was a really big week for us. That yeah, that I bet. also kind of sent us through the roof. So that was good. Yeah, I know they they just Whiskey Riff just wrote something about you. I saw the other day about your new single. Yeah, man. And they've been great. You know, I, since we started, we've had a couple different um, goals that we wanted to set when we started off. And the, the first one was we wanted to get notice. You know, we want to get notoriety from Grady Smith and Whiskey Riff. We want to get our own article on Whiskey Riff and we wanted to be on Grady Smith's uh, YouTube page. And then third, we really wanted to get on Indigo's playlist. And this year we got to do all three of those, or at least in the last six months, we did all three of those. So now it's on to the next, you know, we, we start, you know, we want to obviously keep great relations with those people. We want to keep, you know, being posted by those people. And um, so now it's just on us, you know, to keep releasing good music and staying, um, you know, keep doing it our way in the way that, you know, I think people have attached themselves to. Yeah, definitely. So you've kind of mentioned like uh, using TikTok for like you were releasing the unreleased or you release like the unreleased. Wow, I don't know why I struggle with that version of <laughs> the like some of your songs, and it was like really helpful in getting that out there. Do you ever feel like sometimes like TikTok like isn't like the most beneficial thing, or how do you feel about putting your music out on there? Well, I mean, I think TikTok is what it is, and I think everyone knows what it is. You know, I mean, TikTok. It, it depends. I mean, you're either a user. Like you're either a buyer or a seller on TikTok. And all that a seller is trying to do is buy your time. And all you have to do is buy it for basically 30 seconds to a minute at a time. And it's, it's great. So for us, we're obviously a seller. We try to sell our product to people 30 seconds at a time. And, you know, we're talking, I mean, when you end up being able to get in a year collective, you know, you're talking, let's say it's a million views or a couple million views on something it doesn't hurt at all. And I, you know, it's funny because it's like anytime a new social media comes out, everyone, like the last person to get it is the last person that's going to benefit from it. So I don't know if you get on board early and you mark yourself, well, you end up seeing a benefit from that. Now, that being said, um, TikTok obviously is also just like anything else, not great because it can also create things. Um, where I think it, uh, you know, drives traffic to something that maybe um, it could be taking away from, you know, a, another thing that maybe holds more value. But that being said, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. And I think, 
the way that business and marketing goes, especially in the music industry is there's always going to be a bigger fish. So, you know, you just got to play the game. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. I think you hit the nail right on the head with that. Uh, what, another thing I wanted to ask you about with, with your career kind of starting off in, in 2020 with the pandemic. And I, I hate to bring this up because I feel like every yeah. guest is talking about COVID and things like that. And I just want to be done with it as much as the next guy, but I just want to know starting off your first year dealing with all of, all of that, uh, do you feel like dealing with that right away has made um, some hurdles in your career feel easier compared to what you went through at the beginning? Yeah. I mean, I think everything that I've done since I was 20 years old has made every other decision pretty easy because I mean, I've been broke three times before I was 25. So I'm not worried about that. You know, I mean, I basically anything that bad that could happen in the business, we've kind of already gone through. Um, and we always, whenever, when something goes bad, we just double down, you know, I mean, you only got a bad 300 to be in the hall of fame. And it's the kind of what I say every day to, you know, the guys it's like yeah we only got a bad 300 to be in the hall of fame but that being said we want to bat above our batting average every single day so yeah i mean i think you know adversity really helps you make it makes you more less sensitive i would say it makes you less sensitive to risk so when we have a, a risky decision come down the pipe it's really easy for me to just say yeah let's just do that because what's the worst that happens we've already been through that mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not as, I mean, I'm not afraid to basically pull the trigger on anything um, when it comes to making those decisions. And I, I, I do think it's because of that. Okay. And, and now that we've got finally gotten to talk to you since all, all of that, and you're able to do shows, who are you, who, what other acts are you mainly running around with on the road? <laughs> right now it's mostly us, but we got to open for Diamond Rio, Jake Owen. Um, I got to do a solo set opening for Ned Ledoux. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, right now oh, we're opening, we just got the, we go out on a bill for August where we're going to be at a festival with, uh, Dale Watson. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're still basically, we're mostly up here in the Northwest. Um, we're looking to hopefully do a little run in Texas in October, but we need to get some bookings on that. Um, but once again, man, I mean, you know, comes down to the fact that if someone's up here, we'll probably open for them or, you know, we'll be able to maybe shake hands with them. But until then we're playing the shows. Don't be afraid to come, come through Nebraska. We support country music. I know we, dude, it it really, and I tell this people all the time. I want to be on the road. Like I want to be in Nebraska. I want to be in Texas. I want to be in Louisiana. I want to be in Arkansas, Alabama, but we just need to get the right booking deal. Like we can book those shows, but right now we really need to, we need to hitch our wagon to somebody or we need to get a booking deal. Gotcha. Well, I know we. I can send you because like, we've other artists we've had on. I can get you in contact with one place that uh, a lot of good country music acts like uh, Cody Jinx and uh, Mike and the Moon play there too. So I can I can get you their information and be, so you can come to Nebraska. We would love to see you. Yeah, dude, that would be great. I mean, we if if they'd be willing to have us, we would definitely come through, man. Yeah, I'll, I can send you it after the show. Yes, please do. Okay. Um, one thing I, I want to talk about that, I was kind of looking at your website before we started and you have the quote, uh, no one is ever remembered for not trying. Um, it's your quote. When did you first say that? How did it come about? 
uh, it was right after 2020 when we had all of our shows canceled and I was kind of deciding whether or not I wanted to, I was full-time fly fishing guy to make up for everything else. And, um, I decided to double down on the music industry. You know, any, any penny I made from the guiding would, was going to go back into this. And that's when I started writing if I were the devil. Um, and that's when that motto kind of came through, you know, it, it was, it was an everyday thing where I had to wake up and be like, okay, you have to try extra hard today, every day until, you know, you see something pay off. And so that's when I came up with a little motto. Yeah. I, I like that. Cause I mean, it's, it's a risky business to be in, but if you're passionate, I feel like most of the time it, it always pays off to those road warriors and independent artists, guys like you. So I had to ask about that. No, I appreciate it. No one ever does. So that's nice. Thank you. Of course, man, of course. <laughs> So like, we're also kind of looking at some other things and like we saw an article about how you're saying how you love to collect or you love to listen to old uh, country music on vinyls when you're growing up. Mm-hmm. Do you still like to try and collect those um, vinyls? And if so, like what are some of the best ones that you got? Yeah, no, I still have them. Um, I don't collect as much anymore, but I, I've acquired a ton from my dad that I've just stolen from his <laughs> uh his collection uh the one i spend all the time though the one that's always in my record player is it's a greatest hits final of hank williams spend that one most of the time i i love uh johnny cash live from Folsom prison and san quentin i got both of those i got san quentin yeah i love them both i mean in, in my mind they're um the San Quentin one's my favorite and mostly because of the fact that, I mean, the live aspect of it, I mean, you can, the prisoners in it make it so unique and so cool. Um, but those are the two I probably spend the most. Yeah, that, the San Quentin one was my first, first vinyl. I, I thought it was one of my favorites just because of that. And I also think it's cool because I don't know if the one I have is, when Merle was there, but I know cash recorded while Merle was a prisoner there. So I think that's just badass. Yeah. I, and I'm pretty sure that is the, that it's on that track or it's on that vinyl. Oh. Yeah, it's when Merle was there. So how big of a collection are we talking here? Like how it's not too big. It's like one crate full. Okay. I say so I, I don't did. have huge, but I just started just, I think it was, I, you gave me your old record player, Ben back in, I think it was 2020. And so I've just started since then just trying to collect them and him and I will always go and hit up the record store here in Omaha and try and see what we can find there. And I'm like, I, I can't stop buying them now. <laughs> it's great, man. I, and the th- what I, I mean, I love everything about the vinyl and oh, man, I want to press vinyl so bad Do I'm actually thinking now about doing, I think I'm what, what I was thinking about doing is sometime this summer is doing if I were the devil and honky donk heaven press vinyls and then trying to sell because you got to do a hundred minimum of each so i have to sell 200 vinyls i think i can definitely do that so oh, we're gonna yeah. do our best and you can try sell to some right here yeah no i mean i <laughs> i i think we're to the point now where because everyone's kind of been asking about if i were the devil on vinyl and i think i might as well press them both and send them out yeah and i, I think record stores are are great especially for helping independent artists and, and keeping those record stores live because a lot of what me and Cole buy um 
we'll go to, we'll order from our local record store and artists will put out like indie store exclusive and they're like different colored discs if you pre-order from, from them rather than getting in somewhere else. So it, I feel like you're also exposed to just different artists when you, when you go to those record stores. So I think it's, you're able to reach a bigger audience to doing that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Totally. I say it's always interesting what you're going to find in their kind of country, indie, Americana. Like, I don't know. They just throw a bunch of uh, random stuff together in there. And it's, it's always kind of interesting what you'll find in there. And so it's like, you know, you might find this brand new one next to one that's probably been sitting in there for a while, but is an amazing find. So it's like, it's, it's so cool and unique just going there and you never know what you're going to find and what you're going to walk out of there with. Yeah. And I, I love personally, some, I, sometimes I like just looking at the album covers and just picking one off the album cover. I'd say, like if, I say, I love the album artwork. Like I think that's like some of the, you can find some of the most unique ones in there and it's just, it, it adds to the whole album. Totally. I agree. Um, I think the last question I got for you, I, I wanted to bring up is I was, looking at your iTunes page and different promo pictures. And I know you've been kind of lately rocking the cowboy hats. I want to know what, what brand of hat are you typically going with? It's an American. Okay. That's, I got a, I got an American straw. So my buddies told me one of, one of our buddies shaped hats and he was telling me that's like the best to go with. So. I yeah. Know. And I've wanted one for a long time and I have a few, I just not my favorites and I wanted one to play on stage with and, so when we were down in Fort Worth, I went to the best hat store and got myself a, got, yeah, real nice shape. And, uh, the guys down there do a great job. So, you know, I, I wanted a really, really nice one to wear and I got exactly what I asked for. So I, I've heard of that store, the best hat store in Fort Worth. What, what is, what makes it so like famous and things like that? Is it Cowboys just, go there. Okay. Is it just real? You? No, it's small. Like, but that's the thing. Like you, like and I'm not a cowboy and I know that, but you know, when you go in, like I got brought in there by a guy who uh, works, works on rodeos and he was with a, a bullfighter at the time. And we went in there and we all got hats made and like, but that's, that's what it is. I mean, that's like true Fort Worth cowboy hat, Texas style. I mean, while they're shaping your hats, like you want a whiskey or a beer. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, <It's> <laughs> Is it strictly American in there? Or do they have all, all other brands? I think they have other brands as well, but American, I think, is the, the one that they use the most. Gotcha. Yeah, I would love to go down to Fort Worth sometime. I think it's such a cool cowboy town, Billy Bob's and all the stockyards they have down there. It looks really cool. Fort Worth is really cool, man. I love Fort Worth. Have you played there before? Yeah, we played there last summer. We played Magnolia Motor Lounge and the Post at Rivers East, Riverside East. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I... I Cole, we got to make it down there someday. Yeah, I know. Once we're you guys are close. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not that close, <laughs> dude. I drove through Omaha. I drove from Dallas to Omaha. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah On my way home. I think I, 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 I. That's a hefty drive. I think we would have to fly, man. I can't sit in the car that long. Oh my god. See, <laughs> his, here's the thing. His family, you know, long road trips, they'd fly. My family, we packed five of us into our little minivan and we would drive from like Omaha to Virginia, then up to New York, then to Connecticut, and then we drove all the way back. But his family would That's how <laughs> No, I did 16 <laughs> hours my from fam- Pittsburgh. My family always drove. My dad does not fly. So anything that we did growing up, we drove. 
And when you get way out west, like Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Washington, Oregon, that's a long ways. That's a long ways between states. That, that Idaho, Montana area, is I, that's another place I want to go. It looks beautiful up there. Anytime you guys want to come to Idaho, you let me know. I, I'm, yeah, I will. I, I think it's probably I've been watching too much Yellowstone, but damn, it looks so nice up there. It is nice, man. You guys should definitely come through. It's cold as hell, but eh, it's not colder than Nebraska. I See, I, I'm a fan of the cold, though. I'd rather be, you know, like bundled up wearing some nice, like warm clothing than like being super hot. I'm, I'm for the cold. Believe, yeah, hey, believe, believe it or not, it was 75 here today. Yeah, <laughs> it's tropical here now, man. That's bullshit. And then we're probably like, going to get snow at the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it I, was... 55 here for a week and then it was zero degrees for a week and now it's 45 and raining every day well not, not too bad it could be yeah it could be worse could be well ben once you're done in december with school and once i finish up this summer we'll, we'll, we'll start taking more trips down to fort worth and out to montana yeah, yeah. Sounds- you guys definitely should oh, it's <laughs> a lot of fun take you guys fly fish and show you what's up Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've never fly, fly fish before. I just, we just fish for bass. Usually I've never, I've done some trout fishing, but it wasn't, it wasn't fly fishing at all. You'll love it. It's a lot different than bass fishing, but the scenery and the fishing itself, I mean, you, you can't beat it up here. Is it take, does it take a while to get used to like the, all the motions that go into it? Yeah. But if you just kind of, you know, fly fishing is kind of like golf. It's like, slower more methodical like the more you try to force it the less it's going to do i think that's the worst uh analogy for ben and i because we are probably the worst golfers you will meet (laughs) hey i'm a terrible golfer i'm a very bad golfer but i'm good at fly fishing so you know i can aim about 20 or about 50 yards right of the fairway and i'll end up about 60 yards left of the fairway that's and i've never (laughs) been able to fix it (laughs) i I wish that was an exaggeration i really wish it was (laughs) well colby that's all we have for you but oh hang on hang on so typically how ben and i end it is we always got to have a song recommendation so other than once in a lifetime right now what would be your song recommendation for the fans that doesn't have to be you. It could be some, just something you've been listening to a lot of. Yeah, I'd definitely pick another artist. Um, <laughs> what have I been listening to? Hmm. Ben, I think I know what your guess is going to be. I got to I gotta think about mine for a minute. Oh, no, I know. I know what mine is. I know what mine is. <laughs> Will you guys go first? I'll go last. Right, okay, it. mine mine right now that I've been jamming a lot to is uh Annabelle by 49 Winchester, their new single. I've I love that. I'm real excited for their new album. So that's that's mine. I see I, I figured you would go with that. And <laughs> um I was gonna say mine's gotta be um all I see is you, uh Shane Smith and the Saints. Yeah. Ever since that um, episode of Yellowstone that like it was titled All I See Is You and they had that plane at the end. Um, And then the fact that you and I are going to go see them this summer with Whiskey Myers. Like I've just been I've been trying to like I've listened to their music, but I've been trying to dig deeper and like listen to more of the songs off their albums and stuff like that. But I keep coming back to All I See Is You. 
Yeah, yeah Cole, man. Or go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was just what Cole was saying. Coming in Council Bluffs, which is right next to Omaha, we have in two nights we have Turnpike and Steve Earl, and then we have uh, Whiskey Myers, Shane Smith, and the Saints, and Forty Nine Winchester, all coming. So we're Dude, like, that <laughs> will be epic. Yeah, we're we're going broke that week. <laughs> Oh my god, that is so much fun, dude! And I, oh god, I'd kill to see all those bands. Um, I also have really been loving Forty Nine Winchester, their new single, and I—I mean, I love all their stuff. They've been great. Yeah, Long Hard Life is one of my favorite yeah. songs. Um, but songs I've been jamming to that have you know recently dropped. I mean, obviously Forty Nine Winchester, I've been listening to that some, but uh, kind of one that most people would not think I've been listening to a lot is I've actually been kind of jamming to. Haley Witters. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I, she I, don't, I don't. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I don't. I don't know too much by her, but I know the name. She dropped a song called uh, "Everything She Ain't," which is kind of more like a Dixie Chicks kind of vibe. Okay. Which I'm a pretty big Chicks fan, actually. Um, and I've also really been liking. Uh, I mean, Mike and the Moon Pies. I've been like "Paycheck to Paycheck" was a song that, you know, I listened to so much this year just to really because i mean the the feeling for our album was like that honky tonk kind of thing and so i really gravitated towards like a lot of whalen projects this last year um and then i listened to a lot of uh, paycheck to pay, or the song paycheck to paycheck as well as that entire album that album is damn good yeah that's what is yeah, it one to one grow, to grow on? on is that what it is yeah one to grow on is the name of the album it's phenomenal yeah yeah and of course Always check out Colby Acuff's music. We're excited for your album, man. We couldn't couldn't thank you enough for joining us. We really appreciate the time. Yeah. So you said April first is the next single, and then what? May thirteenth. Yeah. So we're dropping. Yeah. Last Buffalo comes out April first. Bad Day to Be a Beer will drop May thirteenth, and look for the album sometime in early June. Awesome. Yeah. We'll make sure we you know promote that coming up to it, and we're real excited to see what what you're coming out with. I mean, it's from once in a lifetime and from just this conversation, like I'm even like, I've, my level of excitement has grown just listening to like the passion and you can hear how much like you've dedicated to it. And it's just, it's going to be awesome. Well, thanks boys. I really appreciate it, man. And once again, you know, it's always good to be back on. Hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, of course, man. Anytime. Yeah.